Now, I think I've told some of you this before. Some of you know this, that when I was in high school, I played football. I loved to play football when I was in high school. And every single year, right about this time of year, in the summer, something would happen. Without fail, every single summer, the same thing would happen. Well, at the start of the summer, all the freshmen would show up. All of the new kids, all of the ninth graders would come to football practice. And there was always a few of these freshmen who were really excited, but they weren't just excited to play football. In fact, they weren't excited about the football part of it at all. They were excited because they thought that being on the football team was going to be an easy way for them to make friends and to become popular and to be the cool guys on campus. So they saw football as this ticket of like, oh, this is how you get popular in high school. They'd come to practice in the summertime, and my coach, as always, would start yelling and telling you to run and lift these weights and put your pads on and hit people, and we would run and run and run until we threw up and we'd run some more. And then after a couple days, some of these freshmen would quit. They wouldn't come back to practice. And my coach would always say the same thing. If you thought this was going to be easy then you were wrong. If you thought this was just going to be a way for you to come here and to hang out and get some friends and become popular, that was wrong. That's not what this is about. And he was like, look, I I told you when you were eighth graders, I would come to your classes and I would say, I want you guys to play football, but you have to understand it's not going to be easy. It's going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done. And there was always, without fail, a few of these freshman guys who would just ignore that advice and show up and think that they're just going to become the cool guys and the popular guys for playing the sport. See, the freshmen, they didn't understand what they signed up for. They didn't really, they didn't really get it. They didn't understand what they were getting themselves involved in. And they paid the price for not listening to my coach. They paid the price. It wasn't fun for them. It wasn't good. I want you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 and be finding verse 25. Well, just just like these freshmen with football, they didn't understand what they were signing up for. When it comes to Christianity, many people who say they want to follow Jesus, many people who say they want to become Christians, they don't actually understand what it is that they're signing up for. They don't understand what it means to follow Jesus. They think it's going to be one thing. They have this idea of, it's going to be great, my life is going to get better, everything's going to be awesome. But then when they become Christians, or they say they're becoming Christians, life doesn't work out the way they thought it would. That's a dangerous thing, because Jesus tells us exactly in his word what following him will be like. So we need to look at the words of Jesus today to see what does he say it will be like to be a follower of him. And if you're not careful, you'll be like those freshmen who sign up for this and you just aren't even really sure what you're getting yourself into. Let's look at the verses and read them together. It says in Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25, Now great crowds accompanied him, 
And he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple." So here's what Jesus is getting at. He's saying that you need to love him more than you love anything. And you need to be ready and willing to give up everything to follow him. And when Jesus, when he told the crowds this parable, the crowds were following him. Lots of people following after Jesus. And Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. He knew that soon he was going to get hung on a cross and he was going to die there. But the crowds didn't know that yet. The crowds, they still had this idea, this desire that the Messiah was going to come and lead them to this military victory. That the Messiah was going to come and they were going to conquer the Romans and they were going to get rid of these bad people who had been oppressing them for so long. This is what they thought Jesus was going to lead them to. They were thinking, Jesus is going to take us and we're going to, be, we're going to prosper. We're not going to have these bad times anymore. We're going to finally be out from under the thumb of these Romans and it's going to be so much better. Well, that's why Jesus told them this parable. Because they were thinking one thing about following him, and he had to correct it and say, listen, this is actually what following me is going to be like. Point number one, love Jesus more than anything. Now, maybe when you first heard these words of Jesus, it was shocking to you. It's shocking to read words in the Bible that tell you to hate people, right? That's not what you would expect when you open up the Bible and you read the words of Jesus and, you, and it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, and yes, his own life, you cannot be my disciple. The crowds were shocked to hear Jesus say this. I mean, can you imagine being in the shoes of these people following the Messiah, waiting for him to tell them what to do next or to do another miracle or to do something, and he turns to you and he says, hey, the people that you love most, you have to hate them. I'd be pretty shocked. I think you would too, and these crowds were definitely surprised to hear it. Well, what Jesus is doing here is he's using something called exaggeration. An exaggeration is something that you and I use all the time, whether you realize it or not. We exaggerate things to prove a point. Here's an example. When you're, when you're really, really hungry, 
What do you tell your parents? I'm starving. I'm starving. I'm so hungry. Oh, yeah. You, I, yeah, you do that. Now, what about whenever you're like really, really thirsty? What, what have you said when you're just like, really? Not just I'm thirsty, but I'm going to die. I'm, I'm going to pass out. I'm so thirsty. I need water. I'm going to die. You guys have said that before? Oh, pff, come on. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. I'll tell you one in my life that I did yesterday. And this is an exaggeration. Yesterday morning, I went on a hike. And um, I wasn't ready. Just to be completely honest with you, I wasn't ready. It was tough. And one part of this hike was called the dreaded hill. And we get to the dreaded hill, and I look up. The, it's literally so steep. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not ready for this. So I start climbing the dreaded hill. And I'm like, I don't know, halfway up. And I'm trying to play it cool, like on the outside. I'm like, I'm fine. I got this. But in my mind, I'm going, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I knew I wasn't actually going to die. At least I really hoped I wasn't going to die. But I was exaggerating. It was just an exaggeration, right? And that's what Jesus is doing. He's using exaggeration to prove the point. So he's not saying that you have to literally hate the people that you are closest with. Hear me say that. Do not go home and say, hey, Pastor Jacob told me I have to hate you today, Mom. That is not what I'm telling you. He's not saying that you have to hate yourself. He's using exaggeration to prove the point. And the point is that your love for Jesus should be so much more than your love for anyone and anything else. So hating here, it actually means something like loving less. You will love your mom and your dad less than you love Jesus. You will love your best friend less than you love Jesus. You will love yourself less than you love Jesus. Your love for Jesus should be so great. It should be so big that the love that you have for anyone else should seem like hatred in comparison. So your love for Jesus is way up here. Your love for anything else is down here, and in comparison, it's not even close. To love Jesus more than anything. He's calling for absolute, complete devotion to Him. You have to be devoted to Jesus. I want you to think about how much you love people like your parents and your siblings and your best friends. Think about how you're devoted to these people. You'll do anything for these people. You spend time with them. You do things for them because you love them. When they need something, you'll meet the need because you love them. When others are rude to them, you'll jump to their defense because you love them. And I want you to think about also how much you love yourself. Here's what I mean by you love yourself. You want what's best for yourself. That's natural human tendency is to every day wake up and just be thinking, what's best for me today? What can I do for myself today? You do what it takes to look out for yourself. You want the things that are new, that are good, that are cool. You want to be impressive, right? You, you want to make sure that you have plenty of food and that you're having fun and that you're entertained and you're always looking out for yourself. Just take a second and think about how much throughout your days are you thinking about you. 
And that's what I mean. That's what we mean when we say that you love yourself. So Jesus is saying that your love for him needs to be greater than your love for anyone else and your love for yourself. Now listen, let's, let's not, I want all eyes on me. Everybody, I want you to look at me. Let's not make the mistake that we make so often at church, which is hearing something from God's word and just kind of thinking about it for a second and going, okay, cool, and then just forgetting about it. We need to really think about what Jesus just said in his word. He just said, you need to love him more than you love anyone or anything else. You got that? That's what he's saying, all right? Now what you need to do and what I need to do in response to what his word is saying is we need to think about this and ask yourself the question, is this true for me? Do I love Jesus more than I love anyone or anything else? And then when you ask yourself the question, answer it and answer it honestly. It's so easy, again, to come to church and to just check the box. Oh, I'm good there. Check, check. Oh, yeah. And not even think about it. Well, you need to think about it. You need to be honest with yourself. Do you love Jesus more than anyone or anything else? Now, maybe you're like, well, that's a hard question. How can I even tell? What do I need to do? How do I figure it out? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. Well, first of all, what you need to do is just think about the way that you use your time. How do you use your time? How much time have you spent this summer reading God's Word and praying? Even just over the last seven days, the last week, how much time have you spent reading God's Word and praying? Now look, I'm not saying that you have to literally spend more time reading the Bible than you spend doing anything else. I've heard preachers say that sometimes, and it's, it's, not, it's not practical, okay? Because think about when school comes back around, how much time do you spend sitting at a desk working on schoolwork? Hours and hours and hours a day. So what I'm not saying is, oh, whatever you are literally spending more time doing, that means that you love that more than Jesus. No, because like we, we, it's just not practical to wake up and spend eight hours reading the Bible every day. It'd be awesome if it was, but that's not practical. So that's not what I'm saying, all right? But what I am saying is you need to think about how you use your time. Is your mind so consumed on, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to see my friends today. I'm going to do what I want today. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do that. And you are not thinking about, okay, at this point today, I'm going to read the Bible. At this point today, I'm going to spend time in prayer. Are you, are you spending any time? Have you devoted any time at all to God and to reading his word? The question is, is God an afterthought? So what that means is, at the end of your day, after you've checked the box and you've done everything you wanted to do, is that the point in time where you think to yourself, oh, I should probably read my Bible now, because I did all those other things that I wanted to do, and now the Bible comes. Now God comes. If God is just an afterthought, if he's just something that you tag on at the end of your day to really just make yourself feel better, then you're probably not loving him the way that he says you need to love him. 
So how are you using your time? Are you spending any time with him? Now, another way to tell whether you love him this way or not is to think about who are you trying to please with your life? Whose approval are you after? Who are you trying to make happy? Are you constantly trying to make the people around you think that you're cool or you're funny? Are you always wanting the the approval of other people? Or, Or when you wake up in the morning, are you after pleasing God? Are you more likely to do something that gains the approval of friends? Or are you more likely to do something that you know will please Jesus? Your love for Jesus is proved by doing what he says to do in verse 27. In verse 27, he says, Bear your cross and come after me. So he says something like this, If you really want to follow me, then what you need to do is pick up a cross and follow. And he says something very similar in Luke chapter 9. He says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So what does this mean to take up your cross? Obviously, I think you know this, it doesn't mean that you need to literally carry a cross around like throughout your day. Let's just go ahead and say that. That's not what that means. You don't do that. It means to, as Jesus says, to deny yourself. Carrying your cross is denying yourself. This is actually what Jesus means when he says you need to hate your life. You don't have to actually have hatred for yourself, but he means that you need to be more focused on Jesus than you are on yourself. You need to be denying what you want over what Jesus wants for you. So following Jesus, it means that you're no longer primarily concerned about your own wants, about your own needs, about your own plans, You shouldn't always be trying to get things your way. You should be saying things like this, Jesus, it's not about me anymore. It's all about you. It's all about what you want for me. My life is about serving you now. It's, even though Jesus, even though um, I'd really like to be popular, I'd really like to have lots of friends, I'd really like to do something that would make people like me, I'm going to, instead, I'm going to focus on loving others well. I'm not going to focus on doing things just because it'll make me look better, but I'm going to do things that are going to help other people. I'm, I'm going to tell others about you, Jesus. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show compassion to people who need kindness and compassion. I'm going to love others well. For the summertime, we need to have the attitude of, even, even though it is summer, even though it's summer, and I would, I would love to just be lazy. I'd love to just sit around and watch TV and hang out with my friends all the time and not think deeply about anything. Jesus, what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to spend time in your word. I'm going to study it like I've never studied it before. I'm going to know you better at the end of this summer because it's not about me. It's about you. Every day when you wake up, You should think 
to yourself, I need to pick up my cross today. I need to deny myself today. I need to make sure that I'm not being selfish today. So all of us, everyone who says that you are a follower of Jesus should make it a habit to pray every single morning, God, help me to deny myself today. Help me to follow you the way that you say I need to follow you. Help me to be focused on obeying you today, pleasing you today, God. Because we need his help. You need God's help to live this way. You need his help to be staying away from selfishness. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and maybe you'll remember. But not only were the crowds shocked to hear Jesus say that they needed to hate people, which you've established doesn't mean literally hate, right? But it was shocking to hear that. Well, not only that, was shocking, but they would have been very surprised to hear Jesus say that they need to pick up a cross and follow him. Keep in mind, please, that at this point in time, Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. He hadn't, he hadn't been resurrected yet. So at this point, in the mind of the crowds, the only thing a cross was used for was to hang people on and to kill them. So when he says, take up your cross and follow me, that would have been shocking. It would have been like, what? What are you saying? Like, why do I need to pick up something that's an instrument of death and then follow you, Jesus? I don't understand what you're saying. Everyone in the crowd knew what a cross was for. Everybody knew that when they saw someone walking down the road carrying a cross, that that person was never going to come back down the road. Because they knew that that person was carrying the cross to get put in the ground and then to get nailed on it, and they were going to die there. So why is Jesus telling them to pick up their cross and to follow him? He's, He's communicating to the crowds. He's saying, listen, if you love me, then you need to follow me and never, ever turn back. He's saying that when you follow him, when you follow Jesus, you are dying to yourself. It's not about you anymore. It's not about what you want anymore. It's all about Jesus. Your love for Jesus should be so great that you're ready to say, I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm going to keep following you when people are making fun of me for believing in you. I'm going to keep following you even whenever my plans don't work out because you have something different planned for me, Jesus. I'm going to keep following you, and I'm never going to turn back. That's what he means when he says to pick up your cross and to follow him. And then in verse 33, we're going to skip to the end and read that verse Jesus says, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. To renounce is to reject or to abandon something. So he's saying, you have to reject everything that you have. You have to renounce and reject and abandon everything if you want to follow me. And we talked about this story last week, but we're going to talk about it again because these words remind us of the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young man. 
this young man approaches Jesus and he says, what do I need to do for eternal life, Jesus? What do I have to do? And Jesus says, you got to do all these things. And he says, follow these rules, follow these things, and this is how you do it. See, this guy thought that he could just earn his way to heaven. He didn't understand grace. He didn't understand what Christ was really there to do. So he was thinking he could just earn it. So Jesus plays along with him. And this guy says, but Jesus, I've, I've done all that. I've done all of that stuff perfectly, so what else do I have to do? And Jesus says, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to sell everything that you have, take all the money that you get, give it away to the poor, and then come and follow me. And this rich young man, what did he do? He walked away. The Bible says that he walked away sad because he loved his possessions more than he loved Jesus. What do you love more than you love Jesus? Who do you love more than you love Jesus? Anything that you put before Jesus is an idol. An idol is something that you worship. So whatever you love more than you love Jesus is an idol, and you are worshiping that thing. It could be a person. This could be an item a thing, something that you own, that you love too much. It could be a sport or another activity. It could be the idea of being popular and having lots of friends. It could be the, that you want to be funny and you want to be cool, whatever. If you love that thing, whatever it is, more than you love Jesus, then that's idolatry. And that's what this rich young man was guilty of. So I want you to take a second and put yourself in the shoes of this young man who approached Jesus. If this was you talking to Jesus, and you said, what do I have to do, Jesus? What would he point out in your life? What, what would he say to you? Would he say the same thing that he said to this rich young man? It's your money. You love your money too much. You love your friends too much. You love clothes too much? What is it? What would he point out? If something came to mind, then maybe you have an idol. And you need to repent from that idol. You need to say, Jesus, I, I, I think that I do love this thing more than I love you. And I'm sorry. I, I repent. I don't want I don't want to do this. I want to love you most, so help me to do that. Maybe some of you need to pray that this morning. So Jesus was showing this rich young man that following him comes with a cost. That was what he was, he was showing him it's not easy. To follow Jesus, you you'll lose something. You'll lose a few things, maybe. You, you'll have to sacrifice something. It comes with a cost. Following Jesus will require sacrifice. Denying yourself is not easy to do. But the great thing is that Jesus doesn't hide it. He's so clear and so upfront about what it means to follow him. He never lies to anyone and says that following him is going to be easy. And you have to understand that there's a cost. Here's point number two. 
understand the cost of following Jesus. Don't just hear it and go, okay, okay. You need to understand what Jesus is saying. He's saying when it comes to following him, there's a cost to it. It's not easy. Now, Jesus uses these short stories, these little illustrations to prove the point he's trying to make. So he talks about this guy who wants to build a tower. And he says, if you want to build a tower, then you have to count the cost. Which means if you want to build a tower, you need some things. You need money. You're going to have to buy the materials. You need to make sure that you have enough materials to build the tower that you want to build. You have to make sure that you have land to put the tower on. You have to make sure that you have help to help you build the tower. And you're going to have to pay for the help because you can't build a tower all by yourself. So you have to make sure that you have everything under control. That you have all of these things and that you are ready to build this tower. And this man made the mistake of not counting the cost. He didn't think about these things. So he only got to the foundation of the tower. And then he realized, uh-oh, I don't have enough. I wasn't ready to do this. And it says that he was made fun of. He was ridiculed because he didn't think about it. He didn't count the cost. And then he talks about a king. There's this king, and he's about to go to war. But he realizes that his army has 10,000 people, and the opposing army has 20,000 people. So this king has to do something. He has to think about, is there a cost at going to war against this army? What will happen if I take 10,000 against 20,000? And most likely what's going to happen is you're going to get wiped out, because that's a big difference. So Jesus is saying he needs to think about this. And the smart thing would be for the king to send someone ahead and to say, whoa, I, we can't do this. What, what do we need to do to make peace here? Because this can't happen. It's not going to be good. They both had to count the cost to think about what it would be like to do these things. I'll give you one more example to help understand this. I've got a friend who his name also happens to be Jacob. And Jacob, when he was in college he decided that he wanted to buy a puppy. So he wakes up one morning and he says, I'm going I'm to buy a puppy today. So he figures out where to get a puppy from. He drives over to some lady's house and buys a puppy from her and he takes it home and he's playing with the puppy and everything's great. And after a few minutes, guess what happens? The puppy pees on the floor. And then he realizes, oh, I've got to get stuff. I don't have any food for this puppy. I don't have a bed for this puppy. I haven't even, I don't, the vet's going to be expensive. I don't know. I don't know. take it to the vet. I've got to get treats. I've got to get a collar and a leash. We've got to get a bunch of stuff. So he goes to the store to buy the stuff, and he's like, whoa, this is expensive. Having a puppy is not cheap. And he doesn't actually have enough money to buy everything he needs. So he gets like a food, some food and a bed and doesn't get a leash or you know, whatever. He's like, man, I didn't realize. Okay, well, I think it'll be fine. Well, he goes home, and it, it's nighttime, so it's time to go to sleep. And as he's going to sleep, this puppy will not stop yapping, barking and whining and crying all night. And he, Jacob does not get any sleep. It's like four o'clock in the morning. He's like, that's it. He takes the puppy outside and he, I guess he did have a leash because he said he put the leash and tied it around a pole in the yard and just left the puppy out there because he had to go back inside and go to sleep. So... He goes back inside, and when he lays down in his bed, the puppy starts freaking out. 
like even worse than it was before, like whining and crying and barking. And he's like, oh, so he, that's bad. I shouldn't have done that. That's the puppy might die. So he goes out, gets the puppy, brings it back inside. And he's just sitting there at five o'clock in the morning with a puppy. And he's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Well, he decides that when uh, the sun comes up, he's going to take the puppy back to the lady he bought it from because he realized I can't handle this. I wasn't ready to buy this puppy. So he did. He took it back. He said, I'm sorry. I, I, I wasn't ready. This was too much. I can't have a puppy. He should have thought about these things, right? He should have thought about, okay, what is it like to have a puppy? What do I need? How much money does it cost? What happens at night? Do they sleep? Am I going to be kept up? Like, what, what is going to happen? He should have thought these things through, and he didn't. All right? Well, Jesus wants you to think about what it's like to follow him. That's what he says. You have to count the cost. What does it cost to follow Jesus? He's honest here, and he says there will be a cost to following him. You will lose some things. You'll have to sacrifice some things. It's not going to be easy. But you need to decide for yourself, is Jesus worth it? He says that people will hate you for following him because they hated him first. People will get mad at you when you tell them they need to repent. People will be mad at you whenever you bring up hell and tell them that there is a hell. And if they don't repent, that they're going to go there. They need to trust in Jesus. People are going to be mad. You need to be ready to give up your dreams. If you have this idea of what you want for your future. Maybe you just want to make a million dollars. You want to be a professional athlete. You want to be this. You want to be that. You need to be ready for Jesus to say, that's not my plan for you. You need to understand, though. You need to understand that that may happen. That there's a cost to following Jesus. You need to understand that you can't live in your sin anymore. That you have to be repenting of your sin. That if you love your sin, you can't love it anymore. You have to be repenting and putting it behind you. There's a cost. And you have to decide, is it worth it? Because if you just quickly jump in and make a decision and say, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to do this, and you don't count the cost, then one day you might be like my friend Jacob and the puppy. And you'll be like, whoa, this is not what I thought. I, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I'm not doing this anymore. So I want you to think. Have you counted the cost? Do you understand what you might have to sacrifice to follow Jesus? Are you sacrificing anything right now because you do follow Jesus? So look, I want you to understand that there's a cost. Jesus wants you to understand there's a cost of following him. Right? But I don't want you guys to, to leave here just thinking like, this, this is heavy, this is hard. Like, oh my, like, it, it is heavy, it's a lot. Of, it's, it's a lot okay? But I want us to focus on point number three. All right? Here it is. Believe that Jesus is worth following. Yes, there is a lot to following him. A lot of hard times may come. You're going to have to sacrifice some things. 
the idea that you have for your life may not be what Jesus has for your life. But Jesus is worth following. He's worth more than your sin. He's worth more than the friends that you might lose for following him. He is worth it. Look, friends are great. Being popular is fun. Having money is great. But Jesus is so much better. I want you just to think about, think about everything Jesus has done for you. Jesus came to earth. He lived the perfect life. But then he took the penalty for sin that you and I deserve. We sin. We mess up. We're the ones that deserve the punishment, the wrath of God. But Jesus lived the perfect life and he took it for you and for me. He died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. He defeated death, defeated sin, defeated hell. He provided the way for you and for me to be able to trust in him and then be in heaven and get to be there with him for eternity. No one else has done that for you. Nothing else can do that for you. Jesus did that. So that right there, that alone makes him worth it. That makes him worth losing everything for. He took your place so that you can become righteous. He's the one that gives you eternal life. Jesus is the one that gives you peace in hard times. Jesus never leaves you or forsakes you. He never leaves you alone. Jesus is the one who is always praying for you. The Bible says that he's praying for you. When you don't know what to pray for yourself, Jesus is praying for you. He's worth it. Even if you do end up losing friends or being made fun of or or being treated unfairly because you believe in Jesus, he's worth it. He's better. Following him is better because he is better. So when Jesus says you need to love him more than anything, it's important that you understand what he's saying. You have to understand what comes along with this. You You have to understand it, but then you need to realize that there's nothing better than Jesus. There's nothing better. There's nothing better that you could be doing with your life than following him. His plan for you is better. What he has for you is better. He is better. If if you lose everything that you have, it's okay. Because Jesus is worth more, infinitely more than anything else. He's worth more than anything this world could ever give you, could ever offer you. So you need to love him more than you love anything. Let's pray. God, thank you for being so clear in your word about what it means to follow after you. God, please help us to love you the most. Help us to be able to recognize things in our lives that are idols things that we may love more than we love you. Help us to be honest with ourselves and to be able to see it and then repent. Help us to love you the way that you want us to as your followers. God, help us to believe that you're worth following. 
Father, there's nothing better than you. Jesus, there's nothing better than you. So we could lose everything. We could lose our, our friends or our money. Any, anything that we have, we could lose, and it's okay because we still have you and you're better. So help us to understand this and help us to live as though it is true. Help us to love you more than we love anything. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.